Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. One Hour Outcall is a sophisticated, sexy drama unraveling the complex relationship between a call girl and her client who meet every Thursday night. Esmeralda, played by Natalia Ochoa, is a college-aged high-class escort. Greg, played by William Norrit, is a middle-aged divorcee introvert. Sexual tension and curiosity fill the air during their first rendezvous, each vying for the upper hand as they continue their weekly exploration. However, they start to develop an intimacy that goes beyond the transactional and into the deeply personal. And I'm going to leave it there. We're fortunate to have with us today the director, T. Arthur Cottom, and as well as the writer and lead actor, William Norrit. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for yeah. having us on. Yeah. Well, um, William, what was the uh, what was the inspiration for the story, and what uh, what how did it be- evolve into a script that became what we know as One Hour Outcall? Um. Well, I've always dreamed about making a feature motion picture. I've always, even as a kid, I dreamed about making a film one day. And um, I was living downtown in this loft, downtown Los Angeles. And, you know, much like the independent film maxim, you kind of use whatever you have around you. I kind of like this loft as kind of the setting for a confrontation between a man and a woman. And I knew that that would be a relatively easy and relatively inexpensive thing to shoot. Um, and then I kind of wanted to find something that might set this kind of micro-budget film apart from other films, and that's where I latched onto the nonlinear aspect of it. Um, and I was attracted to the notion of power dynamics between a man and a woman, depending on the type of their relationship, and those dynamics shifting over the course of the film. And I pitched the idea to T, and he was interested, and that's what got the ball rolling. T, what... At that point, you know, William's talking to you about this script and, you know, some of the possibilities of it. What did you see as the opportunities? What do you see as the challenges and what prompted you to want to want to do this? Well, I originally, um, I really took to the idea. Originally, Bill had kind of pitched it to me and asked what my thoughts were. And I loved it. I loved the nonlinear aspect of it. And I loved um, that it sounded like it could be shot on a micro budget, um, limited locations, limited cast. Um, but I was really intrigued by the idea, the complexity of the relationships in it. Um, so that's what appealed to me about the project. And then challenges, um, you know, honestly, I, I didn't anticipate a lot of challenges. I mean, I know that it's um, it's always challenging to raise money for a micro-budget film, so that was one of the challenges, and, and Bill took on that challenge. I can um, confirm that that was a challenge, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I guess in terms of reading the script, um, it really – it. Um, sort of the nonlinear aspect is exciting, but it's also challenging in that you want to make sure that the audience can follow what you're doing as they're watching the movie and not be distracted by that and be engaged in what's going on, um, but also sort of take them on this ride that jumps back and forth in time. 
So that's when I came up with the concept of the door sequence toward the beginning of the movie. So that's how we kind of met those sorts of challenges. Right, yeah. right. Like by setting up that door sequence early on in the film, T really establishes what, what the method of storytelling is. And I think that it makes it, I think it just makes it simple for the audience to follow along for the rest of the film. So, yeah, that, that is interesting. Uh, there's a, the initial stages of the film, uh, it, it seems pretty straightforward, right? Uh, your character, Greg and Esmeralda or Anna, uh, it seems a fairly straightforward arrangement. She's there for services rendered for right. Greg and, uh, and she is, she's friendly, but professional. And, and one of the things that you see in the film is that uh, over a period of time in that technique you were talking about, sort of cutting back and forth between them uh, in different stages of the, the time that they're together, you can see both of them kind of chipping away at one another. Uh, I think when you see someone once a week under any circumstances, you're going to begin to become more familiar and more, more issues begin to come up. And th this is the crux of the, of the film as an actor. What are the what are the, what is the sort of the mindset? What are the things that you use to sort of help you with that? Is it is it part of the film scheduling, or is it something that when you're on set with uh, with well, Esmeralda? Go ahead. I mean, well, I think T really helped out in that regard in terms of how he shot the film, with the exception of that door sequence, which establishes everything in the beginning. We shot a lot of it um, in, in chronological order. So, I mean, there are, there are like six episodes that take place over the course of the year and the finished product bounces back and forth between episodes. But while we were shooting, not all, not 100%, but for the most part, we were able to go in somewhat chronological order. So I was kind of able to, whenever we were able to shoot something, is kind of say to myself, all right, at what point in the year is Greg? Um, what's what's going on with Greg. I mean, not to spoil too much, but there's a Thanksgiving episode. So you can kind of put yourself in the setting and right. with it being shot in chronological order, that helps it, uh, makes it simpler to keep track really. So that chronological thing, I've always wondered about, yeah, in filmmaking, you, you, uh, as I have these conversations with filmmakers, as much as possible films, often filmmakers like to shoot in sequence. Obviously it's really very, I'm sure it's a help for you as an actor to be able to calibrate your performance in a, in a, in that kind of a situation where you're yes. doing in sequence. Yeah. Uh, but for you, uh, T in terms of the, the shooting of, of things in, in sequence, what, what are the, what do you see as the advantages of that? Well, yeah, very uh, similar to what you both have said. Um, it's interesting because we did rehearsals, uh, before we shot. Right. Um, which I understand is kind of a lost art these days, but, um, and Bill and Natalia didn't know each other before we started shooting. I mean, they, Natalia, we had cast her for the role. So we, neither one of us knew her before she came on to the film. And so it was important to go through that rehearsal process to get them to, um, feel more comfortable with each other. But also, yeah, I did think if we shoot in sequence, the advantage to that is that there will be some awkwardness in the beginning, which there was, even though they had sort of gotten to know each other a little bit, there will be some awkwardness and that'll come across on screen. Um, and then as they get more comfortable with each other, we'll feel as an audience that they have grown, that their characters have grown more comfortable with each other as, you know, and that, and 
that's as we're shooting that right. will kind of naturally happen. Um, first, I want to remind our listeners that we're talking about a new narrative film coming out. It's called One Hour Out Call, and the uh, we're talking with the director, T. Arthur Cottom, as well as the writer and, and lead actor in the film, that's William Norritt. Uh, one of the th- other things about One Hour Out Call is that as Greg and Esmeralda get to know one another, there is a, um, the dialogue itself begins to sort of sharpen. The pacing of their conversations become more, uh, slightly more intense as things go along. And again, uh, you as the writer, William, and then you as the actor, sort of how are you, sort of how is that process working for you? Because that really is, the, uh, I would imagine that that really comes down to Natalia and your, your uh, particular um, challenge, if you will, in acting is to, to sharpen the, uh, the dialogue in a way that really kind of has that emotional resonance with when you're talking to one another. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, that was, I mean, I, I hope to have achieved that when I was writing the script. I, I, I originally, Mike, tried to write one script and bounce back and forth between the different episodes and try and, try and just do one pass of the script. And I kind of realized about halfway through that just wasn't working. So I wound up having to write all six or seven full episodes and then kind of pastiching them together. Um, and then by writing the full episodes, you can kind of, you can kind of trace the arc of the dialogue. It, it, it's in the beginning, it's a little bit more formal and both, of the, both, of, both Greg and Esmeralda are feeling each other out. And then with each preceding episode, they're growing closer and closer together. So the dialogue will reflect that. Um, I also, just tried to be as naturalistic as possible while I was writing. So, you know, you, I tried to imagine, you know, what it would be like to meet somebody for the first time and how would that conversation go versus meeting someone for the 52nd Thursday in a row, something like that. Um, And then also given that some of the themes of the film have to do with kind of the power dynamics between the two, for instance, in the first episode, when Esmeralda, as a professional, is meeting a stranger, she's kind of keeping her guard up and also trying to keep Greg somewhat on his heels. And then as the episodes kind of go on during the course of the year, she starts letting her guard down more and more. So I did, I did consciously try and kind of trace that kind of growing informal with each other uh, with each of the episodes. This is a question for you as the writer, William you mentioned the power dynamic, which is there's an age dynamic there. There is this relationship, sort of a financial monetary relationship. That's a power dynamic onto itself, but there's also the dynamic of the, as the intimacy increases, does she love him? Does in, well, I'm, does he love her? I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not being deliberately coy. And I think T will echo this, but I think I I like, Mm -hmm. I would like the audience to kind of answer that for themselves. Um, Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I think it's safe to say that they develop intimacy with each other. And I think it's safe to say that in the beginning of the film, Esmeralda has her guard up, whereas as the film goes on, she lets her guard down. But I, you know, I heard T talking about themes uh, recently, and I kind of echo what he feels, which is that's for the audience to decide. And I think it's actually... It's, it's a pleasure for me. It means that I've succeeded as a writer when, when it's a legitimate question that doesn't necessarily have a firm answer. Um, right. So I, I have my yeah. own answer, frankly, but I mean, but I, I would, I, I think, I think, you know, I think each audience member will feel differently. I really yeah. do. So yeah, I really love, yeah, I love hearing the discussions after the movie that the audiences get into um, one discussion 
that I mean, it was it was really an argument that people yeah, were pretty, having over vocal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whether or not um, Greg is a good person who's doing bad things, or whether he's just a bad person. And for me, again, I just sort of sat back and I listened to the conversation. And for me, that's sort of the beauty of filmmaking about making something that's complex is that people can have their discussions about it and come to their own conclusions. Again, we're not being deliberately coy, Mike. No, I know I, because I, as I think through the film, your character, Greg is much more measured, much more reserved, uh, much more someone who wants to be the controlling part of this relationship with Esmeralda. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. yeah and with her, she feels it feels she feels like she could assert some kind of um power over you right that i don't think you ever really relinquish i don't think you ever do i think that that's i think that i i i'm not going to say i agree with that necessarily but that's part of what i would debate actually and i think yeah. that there's a question one way or the other so but it is definitely you know chess match feeling each other out in the beginning yeah. her yeah. kind of i mean because again she works at a job where she's got to keep her guard up. So in the beginning, those earlier episodes, she's got her guard up. But as the year progresses, she gradually starts to let that guard down. Yeah. Um, whether or not Greg lets his guard down, I think is, a, is an interesting debate. So. Yeah. Well, and then there's a whole other element that we haven't talked about. I haven't brought into the conversation, which has to do with your own daughter, uh, your, 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 um, wife that you're you're now divorced from your wife and so there's this relationship with her your ex-wife and as well as your daughter right that adds another layer and that's that's something that comes it's introduced in the film later on the initially the film is mostly centered on the relationship greg and esmeralda but as things go on we get into the the family stuff and the fact and and there's there's a part of this that we talked off mic about that I don't want to say anything about except the relationship has this this particular uh, plot development has a direct impact on Greg's family and his daughter. I'll just is that is that's, that fair to? I think that's fair. <laughs> that was well put. Yeah. And yeah, and it and it's definitely important, and it definitely plays out. In fact, I would say the the last third of the film is really centered on your family and that dynamic. It's about what happened, what happened in the past and what's happening now. So, and again, this is where the, this is another thing about the film. It really kind of builds power as it goes along. I, what I really appreciate about to, you can comment on this if you'd like it, just the Thank way you. that you were able to build into the, the, into the script, but not only that, but in the way that those characters sit around that table, that Thanksgiving day table really fuels the film it, there's some chaos there but there's also a reckoning if you will is that t what do you is that what you were going for am i am i on the same uh, that's yeah i think you put it better than i could have put it mike so thank you <laughs> <laughs> i think that, that that's pretty accurate um thank you i i take that all as as a uh, compliment as well 
Um, is there a specific area? No, that no. You, I just I, I think that, I would what, what, what I guess what I could I'd like to ask you about is uh, those extra characters that we bring in. We bring in some boyfriends. We bring in some other mm-hmm. characters we hadn't been introduced to before, and. Right. And it's, it seems that your daughter, William, your daughter is uh, determined to be kind of the, the uh, agent of, of disruption. And she's, she's, she's obviously got some anger issues about your, your relationship to her. And I just, thought the, I just thought that the shifting of the dynamic away from El, Esmeralda Anna to your daughter was uh, subtle, but, but handled really well. I, I just, I thought the way you made that transition in the story was particularly well done. Well, I think that's a testament to T. Uh, T, you could speak to how we kind of rearranged uh, some of the, some of the scenes as we went along in the editing process, right? Yeah. And it was also, I think in the script development process, because Bill and I were actively working on that together, Bill did all of the writing, um, but, you know, he would bring the pages to me and I would read them and we would talk about them and I would make suggestions. And then, you know, most of the time Bill would incorporate those suggestions. He was really good about that. It was very collaborative. Um, I think the key for me was to make sure that because of look, it happens, you know, most of the movie happens in two locations, right? So it was important for me to not make it feel like a small movie, not make it feel like it was just two people in a room arguing for an hour and a half, you know? Right. So for me, the solution to that visually was to use as much of each location as we possibly could. Uh, For example, in the, in the apartment, I made sure to shoot a scene in the kitchen, shoot a scene in the bedroom, shoot a scene in the bathroom, shoot a scene in the living room, shoot a scene in the dining room. So it doesn't feel stale. Like we're in one room with two people talking. Um, and then in the restaurant, I think, uh, I intentionally focused it more around the table. Um, because, and of course there's a little bit of introduction here, a little bit of introduction here. They're sort of in separate parts of the restaurant for a little bit of it. But, uh, it was important for me to shoot it in a way where it was really visually focused on the table and sort of you know, using little tricks of the trade to kind right. of keep it, make it feel intimate with soft focus, or sorry, not soft focus, but uh, more shallow focus, right. not breaking the 180 degree rule so that we're in, we feel like we're in it with those characters during that whole experience. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, as I think back on the film, I don't see, I don't remember seeing the two of you, Esmeralda and Greg in bed but I do recall seeing you in the bathtub. Now, if I'm misremembering that, what's more memorable to me is the is the scene in the bathtub. I there are there are I wouldn't call them extended scenes in bed, but there are a couple of sequences that are in bed. But I, do, I I think you, the spirit of your question is correct. I think the very important intimate scene is between Esmeralda and Greg in the bathtub. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's really what stuck with me as you as you were mentioning that yes, there are a couple. Yes, they're but they're relatively brief. There's really I know your spirit is correct. I think. <laughs> Good. Yeah, well, and I think it probably probably stands out more because they're it's the first time even though we've seen them in sexual situation, it's really the first time that we've seen both of them without their clothes off. Right. Right. Naked physically and yeah. emotionally too. Yeah. yeah and emotionally. Yeah. Well, I want to congratulate both of you for uh, the work. It's, Thank you. You were able to really, 
make this these these relationships clash and involve us and and pull us into the story and that's i think that's what you were going for and that's how i felt about it and uh, my congratulations to both of you again thank you for being here today the film again is called one hour out call and we've been talking with the director and cinematographer t arthur cottom as well as the writer screenwriter and lead actor william norit thank Thank you so much for being here today You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 